Hey friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Do you feel like your church's facility could be preventing growth? Or are you frustrated or maybe even overwhelmed at the thought of a complicated or costly building project? Are the limitations of your church building becoming obstacles to the path of expanding your ministry? Have you ever felt that your church could reach more people if only the facility was better suited to meet the needs of your community. Well, our friends over at Rise Point have been there. They are former ministry staff and church leaders, and they understand how to prioritize and help lead your church to a place where the building really is a ministry multiplier rather than a ministry limiter. Licensed all over North America, their team of architects, interior designers, and project managers have the professional experience to help you and your church move the mission forward. Listen, I trust RisePoint. You can trust them with your project too. Check them out over at risepoint.com forward slash unseminary. That's risepoint with an E dot com forward slash unseminary. While you're there, pick up their free downloadable resource for your team. It's called 10 Things to Get Right Before You Build. Reach out to them today. The earlier into the project, the better. Again, that's risepoint.com forward slash Unseminary. That's risepoint with an e.com forward slash unseminary today. Are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership? Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Well, hey, friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have decided to tune in. Uh, You're in for a real treat today. I'm really looking forward to today's conversation. Sam Beatty from Grace Church. This is a church in Ohio, had its beginnings back in the 1950s, and now is one of the fastest growing churches in the country. Sam is the executive pastor there, uh, which you know we love executive pastors here at uh, Unseminary. On top of Church Online, they also have campuses in Middleburg Heights and Olmsfield Falls, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, as well as a third campus where they serve an incarcerated community uh, at the Lorraine Correction Center. Uh, They've also planted churches across the country. Uh, super excited to have Sam on the show today. Welcome to the show. So glad you're here. Thanks so much, Rich. Appreciate you taking the time and inviting me to the show. And uh, like I said, uh, we uh, this is one of the podcasts I listen to frequently. So you and your guests have both taught me a ton. Uh, over the oh, years. thanks so much, Sam. That I, we, we were joking beforehand. I was I've always been looking for my other listener, my mom and you. Now I know. Yeah. So now I know who the other person is. And so you don't have to listen to this one. My mom will hear it and we'll be fine. So <laughs> no, I just kidding. Uh, I really appreciate you. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate you tuning in. Why don't you fill in the picture a little bit? Kind of tell us a bit more about Grace. Give us a sense of of the church. Um, you know, some of that kind of stuff. If we were to come this weekend, what would that look like? And and every church, when we say executive pastor, it looks a little bit different. So kind of tell us a little bit about your role as well. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, I've been here for 17 years. Uh, we're in the Cleveland area, just outside mm. of uh, Cleveland. And uh, it's been a, a church that's been, been here for a long time, since the 50s, mm-hmm. like you'd said, and just has a legacy. Uh, we've had two senior pastors in that amount mm-hmm. of time. The the second one is is currently here. So Donald Schaefer uh, was the founding pastor, and uh, now Jonathan Schaefer uh, is also, uh, he's as his son, he took over. Mm-hmm. And uh, Grace is a, a, just an amazing place to find healing. We hear that a mm-hmm. lot. 
Mm. Uh, so we, we do a lot with recovery ministries. We do, uh, we find a lot of people who maybe have been wounded in the past at churches mm. that end up showing up at our door. So I feel like God's used us in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, we're a multi-campus church. Uh, we have one other physical campus. We also have um, the Learn Correctional. But but in addition to that, we have uh, several cultural churches. We have an Arabic mm. church that meets on site, uh, a Spanish church, and uh, a deaf church. So okay. just trying to oh, wow. see, you know, how can we take the mission and vision of, of Jesus uh, to bring mm-hmm. the gospel to the world. And, uh, and the Christian Missionary Alliance uh, as a denomination really focuses on a global uh, global mission. So that's a big heartbeat of ours as well. You know, everybody wants to be a part of a fast growing church or not everybody. Lots of people are like, hey, that would be a great thing. Uh, but I know that leading from within one of those can have tremendous pressure. Uh, it can be hard to kind of keep everybody focused. What have you found on that front? How as a church are you keeping your team, keeping your volunteers kind of pointed in uh, the same direction? Give us a sense of what that's looked like for Grace. Yeah, that's a great question. I, you know, um, I had a conversation with our founding pastor when I first came. He was my mentor, Donald Schaefer. And I remember mm-hmm. he, he had been asked, he, he would be asked a number of times, you know, how is, how is the church growing? How, you know, what's your secret sauce, basically? Mm, yeah, and he yeah. would say, I, his answer for that was, I, I just minister to who the person is right in front of me. So I think sometimes <laughs> in the midst of as you grow and you know, lots of people will tell this, you know, if, if you're, if your things are going well, you're going to start growing. And as you start growing, mm-hmm. you become more complex. And I mm-hmm. think that's the Craig Rochelle uh, uh, quote there. But uh, as you mm-hmm. do that, then you start to focus on the complexities. And, mm-hmm. and I think what, you know, I'm reminded of is always pointing people back to what are, what are we here for? What's our vision? What's our mm-hmm. mission? Mm-hmm. And really helping people to see, is this an opportunity that is worth uh, jumping into? Is it part of our vision and mission or um, or are we just going to be sort of distracting ourselves with more complexity? So mm-hmm. I think it's a combination of um, staying healthy as a team and then also evaluating like, are we staying on mission? And sometimes right. that's in the midst of complexity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. I love that thought. You know, as as our churches grow, they can, you know, they naturally drift towards complexity and we've got to find a way to keep them focused and actually drive towards simplicity and to try to, you know, drive towards more focus at least. So talk to me about how, how you've been able to help or how the church has tried to stay focused on vision and mission. What does that kind of practically look like at, uh, at Grace? Yeah. Uh, so I think that um, the challenge is to see, you know, are we, striving to make disciples. And I think every church probably has in some form or another in their vision, making disciples as it, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the vision of Jesus. But uh, how, how do you, how are you doing that practically? And I think mm-hmm. um, we've good. seen, you know, situations where are we just doing a cognitive approach? Are we mm-hmm. just saying, we're just going to have Bible classes and just for the sake of Bible classes, or is it just a relational thing or maybe just an experiential thing? And the reality is it needs to be a combination of all three of those pieces mm-hmm. to be effective discipleship. So I think a lot of it is is being able to see from our team's perspective, how do we come outside and take a look at the big picture and mm-hmm. really go through almost a sense of, are we looking through filters? Are we trying to raise mm-hmm. people up or are we just trying to hire for a position? Uh, because ultimately that can be the death of a, of a church is when you stop having the people 
who are in your congregation do the work of the ministry. Uh, so I think always reminding people of those truths uh, and, and reminding myself of that, uh, just to mm-hmm. be able to see, you know, where, Lord, where are you taking us today, tomorrow, and then next year, you know? Mm-hmm. And and how what, what does that look like kind of at maybe at a team level or kind of an organizational level, how do you keep that in front of your people um, when it, you know, beyond just kind of individual conversations, you know, how do we, how do we kind of scale that up? What is, what's that look like for you guys? Yeah, we do um, as a staff team uh, and we have a, you know, a decent sized staff team. We do a weekly Mm -hmm. um, staff gathering and Mm -hmm. at that gathering, it's an opportunity for us to celebrate where we are doing those things. Cause I think mm. a lot of times uh, we forget to celebrate cause you're always thinking about the next, you know, <laughs> the next piece of that. <laughs> True. And um, so I think celebrating is a huge, is a huge one. Um, having those team approaches and saying there are certain metrics that we want to be able to, to filter through. And we look at, you know, is this an opportunity for us that um, is going to uh, allow us to grow in the right direction or not? So, so I think some things are um, more celebratory and, and other things are, you know, we're looking through a, a number of lenses and are those mm. lenses things that are uh, taking us uh, in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's cool. One of the, I know one of the pressures um, in a fa- in growing churches, let alone fast growing churches is how do we keep our staff from burning out from, you know, uh, flaming out, you know, ending up making all kinds of unwise decisions. How has, how have you avoided that at grace or what have you done to try to avoid that at grace? I know it's not always, a, we don't always bat a thousand on that. Um, how, yeah. what, what, have, what have you done to try to build a, a positive team culture? That's good. I, I would probably even, I would probably even roll in volunteers in my answer mm, to that question, good. because I think, you know, our staff team is, is one thing, but really we have a huge staff. If you're looking at a volunteer base mm-hmm. very um, true. as, as a, you know, a total organization. And there's one thing in particular, um, before I was in this position at grace, I was the head of the worship department. Mm-hmm. And so I would lead worship and led the teams. And, and I think you, you, you learn about a lot about complexity and conflict management and <laughs> those kinds of things within the worship uh, department area. And we started to uh, to do this thing called heart checks. Mm. And the heart checks were things we would do every six months. We would take the entire team and we would meet individually with all of them. Mm. And this took a while. Um, but what we found is at, at about that six month mark, we could really help to re-navigate people in the right direction. Right. So where people maybe were getting, you know, to a point where there were frustrations bubbling up, but they, but they didn't really have, they weren't open enough to bring it up, you know, in a mm-hmm. conversation with you. But when you had an intentional time to sit down and, um, and go over that. And so what we did find is if we would skip that and, and wait like a year, then that's where things would spiral with certain volunteers. And we'd find a ton of, so we found a ton of health from incorporating mm-hmm. those heart checks. And so I can't speak enough for like your one-on-ones with staff members, because what happens is you get off the same page. Mm -hmm. And even where you think you're on the same page, you know, you think you're going in the right direction together. uh, You're really kind of getting off page. So if you can have those strategic conversations more, more frequently, 
those are huge, both from a staff perspective and a volunteer perspective. Yeah, I love that. Let, let's talk about that from a volunteer perspective. I don't know many churches that do one-on-ones with volunteers. Like that's that's a, that's a huge investment of time, effort, energy, resources. You know, is the goal, has that kind of rolled out for all your, your, your volunteer teams? Like you're trying to do them twice a year. Um, yeah, talk us through that a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I'd say uh, we try to do that with every ministry area that's that's looking at staff, uh, having mm-hmm. having volunteer teams, I mean. And what we do is not program it in exactly the same way. Right. But we say sure. at least twice a year, have a touch point with your mm-hmm. with your teams. And mm-hmm. and so I as far as the worship department would go, we would take uh, we would do it four times a year, split mm-hmm. up between two different departments, you know, the, the the musicians were every six months and we'd stagger three months and do right. vocalists. And, uh, and so we'd meet with them for 10 or 15 minutes, make it very quick. So it was mm-hmm. not this long thing, but we would just say, what's God been teaching you? And what are some, you know, things that you, what's something that you want to tell us that you haven't told us? And just amazing things would come out of those times. And mm-hmm. we also found, interestingly, a lot of them were thematic we would see mm. the same thing happening with a number of people. Oh, that's good. Um, but the whole next, you know, the next few months, people are just pumped that they're excited. They, they see the mission and vision more clearly. Uh, and I think you're just on the same page. Hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Well, let's talk about that then at a staff level and, and maybe bring it back to the vision mission piece. You know, talk us through, I'm sure this has never happened, but theoretically, if you were engaged in a conversation with a staff member where you felt, mm, this person is straying a bit from the, the mission, or maybe their area is, there's a little bit of vision leak there. We're, we're not quite pointed in the direction we should. Um, talk us through, what does that look like? How do you engage that person? How do we kind of keep them, you know, how do we try to steer them back? Those kind of, talk us through what that would look like. Yeah. And um, I I think this is an opportunity. Um, It's an opportunity really where, Mm. you know, when you're in ministry, this is an opportunity to always help take people two degrees in the right direction, because what's going to happen then is you're going to head toward, you know, toward the right, uh, the right thing, get people back on mission and vision. So Mm -hmm. the way I like to do that and, and, you know, where we've discussed with other staff members is seeing how do you feel like things are going? You know, you ask mm-hmm. lots of questions mm-hmm. and I think a lot of times where people get into trouble, especially as they're overseeing others is they make more authoritarian kind of declarative statements mm-hmm. to people, as opposed to <laughs> making it more of a question, like, you know, the right answer. We read the same Bible. Like we just need mm-hmm. to ask the question and people mm-hmm. will think like, Oh wow, that that's true. So I think being good at question asking always helps people go taking a humble approach. I think humility is so huge, mm-hmm. um, especially when you're in more of a senior leadership, uh, because people will say things that will offend you or, mm-hmm. or you'll think like, Hey, I, I, I was, I, you don't know 10 things that were happening in the background, but just to take a humble approach and say, I hear, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. And we need to heal together in, in those mm-hmm. situations, you know? Yeah, I love that. Years ago, I had a coach uh, say to me, we had a you know person that helps teams for a living, um, and you know they spent some time with us and with our teams, and then it came to some feedback from them, and we were you know we were deliberately saying like, hey, we want to we want some help. How can we get better? And this leader said to me, said, you know, Rich, um, you should 
you should ask way more questions than you answer. And I was like, oh, that kind of hurts a little bit, <laughs> you know, and it's true, right? How do we, we need to position ourselves as question askers, not as question answerers. I think particularly as we, as we become more senior in an organization, it become, can become tempting yeah. to, because, and, and part of it's true. It's because like, you've seen a lot of stuff, you've done a lot of things, um, mm-hmm. But man, we need our people to really grow into that. That's, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's I think, good. I think too, leaders are inherently problem solvers. I think I've found a lot of good leaders are really good problem solvers mm-hmm. uh, because that's what happens. Problems arise and you make the right decision. So mm-hmm. I think often we can go into a conversation with another staff member or a volunteer and we already have the right answer in our mm-hmm. own mind, mm-hmm. but there's often 10 or 12 different ways to do something. And right. so asking the question gives them the opportunity to help you to see a different mm-hmm. way as well. So mm-hmm. I think having the humility is to, to say, I'm not always right. Right. Uh, yeah, exactly. I think it's important. Yeah, that's so good. Good stuff. Well, I know one of the functional problems we face as our churches grow larger is it's actually the fact that they grow larger. <laughs> and, you know, I've made the joke before, the only people that like big churches are pastors. You know, most people, if you talk with them, they would prefer a smaller church just because of all the stuff around, you know, who do we, who do I connect with and all that? How are you facing that at Grace? What are you doing? You know, this is a big organization, lots of people, lots of staff. Uh, What are some of the practical ways that you're attempting to try to make Grace feel like, you know, it gets, people can still get connected and be a part of, you know, what's happening here? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that's such an important piece uh, because Mm. as people stay anonymous, you know, if there's Mm. anonymity, uh, that's where they just don't feel like this is part of my family. Mm, and I think true. part of the, this is where the complexity issue comes back in. Like, mm. is there a positive to being complex? It's only if you're folk, still focused on the strategic pieces. So offering like, within you know men's ministry, for example, having lots of opportunities for people to be at consistent tables, you know, mm. and that's, that's kind of like their small group where I've seen a number of churches say, we do only life groups and it's only this way. It's only this Mm. specific program. So -hmm. you're sort of programming out an ability for people to to engage with others in the way that God might be sparking them to do. And so I think giving lots of opportunities, but also keeping things very strategic Mm. uh, is, is, is important. And that's, I think that's where we've seen a lot of healing so we have a lot of recovery ministries where people would say, wow, if I miss, I'm, people are going to know I'm missing. Right. Uh, or, or you're at a, you know, a smaller, um, we do the thing called ladies latte. It's kind of a, an outreach uh, opportunity. Our senior pastor's wife, Mary, uh, mm-hmm. speaks at that and, and people go there and they, they build community with just that table and right. they look forward to it every month. So I think being able to have those, those opportunities are important. Yeah, that's how, how do you balance those the tension of those two off of um you know wanting to create opportunities uh on one side while on the other side tr- trying to keep things simple and not not complex how how do you there's no easy answer to this question I understand that but yeah. what are some of the ways that you're wrestling with that tension it's probably a tension to live with rather than a problem to solve but sure yeah I, I think if you're not living with that tension you're probably not growing because you're, you're always, you know, having that complexity um, back in your face, so to speak. Uh, I think as long as you're looking at, so for example, if you are um, given an opportunity, somebody 
is starting a ministry or they're excited about something and you can, Mm -hmm. you can empower someone, you can equip them to do it. It's not taking a ton of staffing hours, but, but you're really equipping that person you're doing, you're really doing discipleship. So when you see the opportunities as more of discipleship opportunities, and if you're constantly equipping others to do them, Mm. then, then you can have a broader sense of, we could have 10 or 12 things happening, but the reality is we're not, we're not investing 10 or 12 times our current output. We're having one. Another thing I mentioned, the heart checks, but another thing we do sort of staff-wide, ministry-wide is really challenge people to have a vision dinner or a vision cookout or some kind of vision casting event. So Hmm. no matter what, if you're in men's ministry and all these different guys are going all different directions, there's, you know, some complexity there. You still have a central point of vision casting where you're doing that for everybody. Um, and that, so that's, and that's, so that's at like the ministry level, like, Hey, wh- what yeah. are you doing this year? Cause I think a lot of times we, we look at like a lead pastor or someone in your seat, executive pastor, and we're like, well, that's kind of their thing. They, they're the people mm-hmm. that are the vision people. But I love that idea of, of saying, Hey, at a ministry level, we're expecting you to do something around casting the vision. For sure. Yeah. And we all have different, you know, every ministry area will have different things that they desire for their purpose to be within the scope of that vision mission. But we make very clear, like children's vision and mission is equal to men's is equal to women's is equal to small groups like Mm -hmm. that. It has to have a central vision and mission. Mm -hmm. And then within that, you can have your own purpose, but that's an opportunity for them to really cast that uh, Mm -hmm. when they have something like a dinner or something to gather together and do that. Yeah. That's cool. I love that. That's again, I don't, I don't know that I know anybody that does that. That's a great, you know, I think we we see it typically roll out as like a corporate thing. It's like a, Hey, we're kind of doing this as an organization. That's, that's a, that's a really cool. Well, pivoting in a little slightly different direction. Talk to me about your, you know, campus, the ministry that's connected with the prison. Um, how, how does that all work? That's a, you know, tell me a little bit about that kind of fill in that picture and how does that connect to the the, the vision mission of the church? Yeah, it, um, that's a great question. We 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 had a a guy who Mike Swagger. He's he works for a ministry that works in the churches, and he approached us. And this is where I think coming with that, if an opportunity comes to you, you're not always just turning it down because right. well, we're too complex already. We just have to turn things down. Um, but he approached us and and really said, here's here's the issue. The issue, mm. we, we do discipleship well in prisons. Mm. We don't have any church feature that's healthy. It's mm. not like a community that's gathered together. And, uh, and the other thing is we don't have anything for families. So mm. what we sort of came up with, and Scott Lessing, uh, one of our associate pastors, uh, he was the men's pastor at the time and ended up being that campus pastor. So that's part of his role. Mm. Did mm-hmm. a phenomenal job with it. But what we offer is we, we go in multiple times uh, a week. There are lots of different things happening. And guys have an opportunity to hear the service. So we do it in a very similar way to we, that we do our other campus, our other physical mm-hmm. campus. We have a, a video of the sermon. Uh, mm-hmm. They have their own worship team inside the, mm-hmm. inside the prison. And uh, mm-hmm. we have a whole team of people who do kind of announcement type things and gathering and praying for people. So it's a, it's an opportunity to bring volunteers in, and it's really almost all volunteer led at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and and what we've found is some 
just some amazing things where guys are getting out of prison and they're coming to our uh, hmm. one of our campuses now. Hmm. And and one interesting conversation in the beginning of this is that the guy who was proposing that we we do something had already approached another large church and they said, well, actually, if, if those people are going to come to our church, mm. then we're not going to do it. We mm. thought, wow, that is not the heart of Jesus. Like, yeah, yeah. And so, so we've, what we've seen is not only people beginning to come, but also the families of the incarcerated guys are able to attend or watch live stream. And so mm. you have this separated family that's mm-hmm. both now gathering and worshiping in the same way mm-hmm. um, in, in obviously a, a different, you know, a couple different uh, ways. But uh, one other thing cool that's happening within that, and this all sort of birthed out of seeing opportunities and really taking advantage of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're starting a school of ministry uh, mm. within the, the, the prison itself. And the school of ministry is now training and equipping uh, incarcerated guys to That's be amazing. ministry leaders, really to be wow. pastors right. and the CMAs on board They're they're you know, it's been comp- complex just trying to figure out the, how do we license really? somebody to be a pastor? <laughs> yeah. How do we license somebody to be a pastor? And he, uh, you know, is, is currently in prison right. uh, because it's separated into, they call it the cadre and the cadre are long-term guys that have been there for a long time. Okay. And so the goal is, as these guys can travel around the state of Ohio, they can be given opportunity to minister to others wow. as well. So, uh, so a lot of cool things happening, but I think it birthed out of that, you know, that are we taking advantage of the opportunities that God gives us? Hmm. Yeah. I just want to underline or two things I want to underline there. First of all, like I, I love your heart and I appreciate what you're saying. Like, Hey, there, you know, there might be other churches that are like, man, if those, those folks are coming here. Uh, we don't, you know, we don't want them here. You know, I, to be honest, I think that's probably the way most churches would react. We wish we wouldn't, but I think, you know, lots of us would have that kind of reaction. And the fact that grace, your church, your leadership would say, no, like we, we should do something here. You know, we've seen this time and again, that fast growing churches, there's always a sizable portion of their ministry that is, it is about, reaching people. It's about making the community that they're in better, even when it's, it doesn't, when it seems selfless, it's like, Hey, this isn't, this is not really a huge benefit, or at least it's a long-term commitment. You know, literally if guys are in for a long time, you know, before, you know, we're going to see some trickle down, you know, these, this isn't going to solve a staff thing next week. You know, this is going to be a Mm. long time. And so, um, I just love that. And I also just want to underline the opportunistic thing too, that it's like, I think we all should be looking for where is it that, you know, it's the old Henry Blackaby thing. Where is it that God's at working and how do we get alongside that and say, Hey, I want to be a part of what's going on there. So yeah, I love that. Yeah. When, when we've, you, we've, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say we, we, we've, we've seen a number of different models, prison campus models, but the most common is Monday morning, you drop off a DVD and then mm-hmm. the guys can just watch it. You know, this is this is much more than that. This is actual ministry. Mm. Our senior pastor goes out there, I think, every six or eight weeks and preaches. Wow! wow. And he j- and he'll just uh, you know preach the same message he did on Sunday, and they mm. know him because they see him every week. You know, he he's on the screen for them, but right. to be able to gather with them and and pray with them, and we've just seen God move in some amazing ways, even within the 
the the correction officers and the the leadership of the wow. of the prison and so forth. Yeah, that's amazing. That is, uh, I love that. I, you know, I think that's inspiring. What would you say to a church who's you know, maybe there's a leader or two that are thinking, hmm, that might be something, or maybe God's already put something on their heart and they're they're hearing this and they're, they're thinking, maybe we should take a step towards that. What would be step one, step two that you would suggest, hey, here are some kind of initial steps to even take to explore, you know, beyond reaching out and talking with you, I would suggest that. But, you know, beyond that, are there any kind of steps that people should think about if they're thinking about prison ministry? Yeah. And, and we'd be we'd be glad to come alongside people. But I I think the biggest thing for us is we we had that connection. So there was a connection right. point with a ministry right. that's currently in a prison. So I think if you're looking to get involved, uh, that would be probably the first step is mm-hmm. try to find a, a another ministry partner. that happens to be in there and partner with them. Say, so yeah. we're not trying to redo what you're doing from a discipleship standpoint. We're trying to make a church and, and, mm-hmm. and also incorporate the families. We have other teams here in our you know current campus um, that minister to the families of, and that's wow. been cool to see, you know, and when people get out, there's a whole process where we meet with them. We help them get, uh, jobs. We help them get, so there's all kinds of things cascading from that. Um, but, but I think, uh, another thing that y- you would want to do is really contact the warden. Uh, the mm. warden is sort of the, if the warden doesn't want it, it is not going to happen. <laughs> so right, 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 right. we've even thought about, do we go to a couple more around us in the Cleveland area and, and just jump in? And we thought, wow, we really need an open door. So I right. think having some of those conversations and, and knowing where there's a successful, uh, it's successfully happening. Mm-hmm. If you were to have that warden talk to the, our warden here, mm-hmm. she would tell you, wow, there's amazing things happening. Like you should do right. it. You know, and right. that I think can be an advocate. Right. Interesting. Interesting. Well, this has been a, good, a great conversation. Um, what else is going on at Grace? Anything else you want to share just as we uh, we look to kind of land today's episode? Yeah, I um, I think one other cool opportunity that we've seen and taken advantage of is being able to uh, incorporate cultural churches within mm. our congregation. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we found that um, being in a, an area, Cleveland has a larger immigrant population. Um, Mm -hmm. We have more languages spoken than probably a lot of places around. And uh, so what we decided was, is there a way that we could have, you know, churches or campuses that are in different languages? Mm -hmm. And that's been something I think that's been really uh, uh, a God thing where, where we've Mm -hmm. seen a lot of uh, people who can't speak English uh, come coming out, but I would say just in kind of in closing, mm-hmm. uh, as a ministry, I think the more that we can focus on being healthy, the, the healthier what comes out of you is going to be. So, so no matter what God is directing you in, you know, you may not, there may not be a prison opportunity for you, uh, but your opportunity might be small groups or something else. Mm-hmm. The goal is always to say, how are we making this healthy? And when we, when we right. talk about things like heart checks and vision meals. And these are all areas to, to bring greater health, you know, Mm -hmm. to, to congregants, volunteers and staff alike. Yeah. So good. Well, Sam, this has been a great conversation. I really appreciate you spending some time uh, with us today. If people want to connect with you or with the church, where do we want to send them online? 
Yeah, we have, um, if you just go to gracecma.org, gracecma.org, uh, and then there's a whole staff page there. You can look mm-hmm. me up. I'm the only Sam on staff. So uh, feel free to email <laughs> me. Happy to have That's you email great. me and check and reach out. Great. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you being here today, Sam. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Rich. Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary Podcast. Drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.